Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. The New Testament book of Hebrews. And turn with me, if you don't mind, to the very last chapter, the book of Hebrews in chapter number 13. The book of Hebrews in chapter number 13. Now we've been in this series of the book of Hebrews, just going verse by verse and chapter by chapter. We started at the beginning of the year and now we're closing it down. Just three more messages, including tonight, and we'll be finishing up the book of Hebrews and then moving on to a brand new series dealing with the minor prophets as we take one minor prophet a week, uh, one Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, then the next week another minor prophet, just to give a people survey and give an understanding of these minor prophets. And we're thankful for the word of God that we could just see what God has to write. And now as we come to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13, we've already been exploring how this book tells us more about who Jesus Christ is. It begins in the beginning of the book of Hebrews, explaining that Jesus Christ is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Aaron. He's better than Joshua. It goes on and explains that Calvary is a better way. It is better than the sacrifice is that was offered at the temple. It's better than the temple, which were pictures of the shadows of things to come and that Jesus Christ died on the cross to free us from the burden of sin, freed us from the penalty of sin. And now because of who Jesus Christ is and because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, the rest of the book of Hebrews speaks about that faith is a better way, a better way of living, a better way for us to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. So knowing who Jesus Christ is, knowing what Jesus Christ has done, it has now been brought to our attention of how we are supposed to respond practically to who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done. So we find our way to the book of Hebrews chapter number 13. And if you wouldn't mind looking with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and notice with me in verse number one, the book of Hebrews chapter 13 in verse number one, the word of God says this, let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them that suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge." Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacles. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burnt without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. For here that we have no continuing city but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Hebrews chapter number 13? The book of Hebrews chapter number 13, and notice with me at the end of verse number 16. The book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16, notice the phrase, God is well pleased. God is is well pleased. And with the Lord's help, as God gives us some practical steps, some practical ways of living and applying the message of Jesus Christ to our everyday life, we could see that this is our goal. God is well pleased. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. I thank you that you're real and that we can trust you that we can faith you knowing that you're sitting on the throne, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are the one who cares for us, the one who loves us. And help us now as we've understood who you are, help us to understand how to properly respond to you living by faith in a very practical, everyday way to show that you are real in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for whom you are. Give grace beyond measure. Lord, again, I recognize that I have no ability within myself. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you. My thoughts, my goals, what I want to get accomplished, I set those aside. I die to myself, to my wants, my ambitions, and ask that you fill me with your precious spirit so you can do your own work through your precious word tonight. And we love you and we trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, as we study the Bible, we always enjoy studying the theology of it, meaning we could study who Jesus Christ is. What a great study it is to learn more about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to understand who Jesus is, that Jesus is God robed in flesh, and that this God robed in flesh came on this earth and lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. Then that same Jesus died on the cross to pay for you your sins and mine. And when he did that, he offered us forgiveness of sins full, free, and forever. 
for all that would believe. It's just as simple as accepting Jesus Christ to pay for your sins. However, as we also had studied last week, that when we get saved, it's not just a get out of jail free card, but we understand that when we have eternal life, when we have everlasting life, that with it we get a heavenly father. And part of having a heavenly father is that a loving father corrects his children. And that God's desire is for his children to walk in the right way. And because he's a loving father, he will correct us. Now also because he is a loving father, very practically he has given us a list of things to explain about how to walk this Christian life. As a practical, we all need practical. It's one thing to hear about all the good stuff and to hear about all the theology and all the science and all this and that. But when it's all said and done, how does it affect me? What do I do with this information? And so God, <laughs> through the inspiration of Holy Spirit, through his human penman, had put together this list, this uh, comprehensive, or um, this explanation of some practical things that we can do with the goal being this in verse number 16 God is well pleased that should be the goal what should be our goal God we understand that everything in the Christian life it all begins with God it all ends with God God is the goal he's the one that we need to please he's the one that needs to be happy he's the one that we're going to have to stand before and give an account to one day so because of that we want to be well pleasing now because he is a good God, he doesn't want us to hope or guess or think. He likes to spell it out. What is it that pleases God in a practical way within the way that we live our life, knowing who Jesus Christ is, knowing what he has done for us? And so if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to walk through the book of Hebrews chapter number 13, and I'd like to show you some things that God says in our practical life that would make him well pleased. The first thing I'd like to show you here is that God is well pleased when we show love to others. God is well pleased when we show love to others. Notice with me in verse number one, chapter 13, verse one, let brotherly love continue. Now, as we had studied in Sunday school, we happen to bring up this topic about brotherly love. The Bible explains that because the Holy Spirit lives within me and the Holy Spirit lives within you, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior and I know Jesus is my Savior, that the Holy Spirit's not going to hate himself. So because of that, when we see someone that has a need and we have the ability to help them, that because of the love that we have, we should help them. That's the idea of brotherly love. Because he is a brother in Christ, because he's part of the family, I should have a desire to help them out. I should have a desire to be a blessing to them if I have the ability to do so. This is what it's speaking about. Let brotherly love continue. It gives us a, a warning with this. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, you say, what does all this mean? To be honest, we don't know. The Bible hasn't revealed. In the beginning of the book of Hebrews, it tells us about the reality of angels. It tells us that angels exist. It also tells us that Jesus is higher than the angels. It also tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter number one, it explains that angels are created for us to be ministering spirits to those who are saved, to those who are the children of the Lord. We're thankful for that. And so why would an 
um, an angel come and take care of me? Why would he show up? I have no clue, but maybe the idea that God wants to see if we're going to be willing to help strangers out, to be willing to be a blessing to others, even if we don't know their whole story. Isn't that a blessing that God allows us opportunity? Maybe just to see how we're going to respond. And so the warning here, as it says, let brotherly love continue. Also with that, let brotherly love continue, but be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. It goes on in verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Now remember, this is speaking of a time where persecution of Christians in the local church has begun to ramp up. Remember the Apostle Paul has already spent time in jail. By the time of the writing of the book of Hebrews, just around the corner, both Peter and the Apostle Paul will be executed for their faith. Many other Christians have already found that they've been losing their jobs, losing their livelihood, losing their houses because of uh, persecution. And so the Bible says, along with this brotherly love, that we're to remember them in bonds as, ba as bound with them. Why should we consider ourselves bound with them? Why should we consider self them suffering with us as being in the body. We understand that as God has placed the body of Christ together, that we are to suffer with one another. If someone out in the congregation is hurting, we should hurt with them. We should bear those bonds because we're made of one body. And God has equipped it. And of course, the Bible takes time to explain in the book of Ephesians, in the book of First. Um, Corinthians more about the body and how it works. But it does explain that if one part of the body hurts, it affects the rest of the body. You said, are you sure? Yep. Well, go ahead and go step on a Lego tonight or just go ahead and kick a chair and see if your little toe doesn't affect the rest of your body. You understand that if someone's hurting, it does affect the rest of the body. And that we are supposed to be looking out for those, those who are hurting, those who are, and see what God would have us to do to be a help to them. This is a practical matter. Why? Because Jesus died for us. Remember, Jesus said in the gospel record of John chapter number 15, that no greater love than a man have this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus gave his all for us. As a practical application, we should be willing to be a blessing to others, especially those of our congregation, of those who are part of us, part of the body, to have a care for them, to show this brotherly love. That's a practical application to share that same love that we have been loved with. Notice as it goes on, we also see something else, that God is well pleased when we show love in our marriages. God is well pleased when we show love in our marriages. Notice with me in verse number four. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. God has always placed a special emphasis on the institution of marriage. And not only during the institution of marriage, but leading up to the institution of marriage. That he has always had that desire for one man and one wife to be together forever. 
and that we need to be depending upon him and that we need to be working on keeping purity, teaching purity to those who are younger leading into this idea. Remember that this, the marriage has always been a picture of Christ and the church. And to have that picture there within our marriages is a wonderful thing, knowing what Jesus Christ has done. But also to have strong relationships. You know, the home is under attack like no other time in our nation's history. That the definitions have tried to be rewritten, that things have been gone. Uh, fathers are absent from the homes, and because of that, it's carried a tangible Uh, result in our society we understand that a nation is only as strong as its homes we know that a church is only as strong as its homes and that God has said so much about the home and here is another reminder of how important it is to have those marriages (coughs) when show love inside of this to be able to carry out this same love that Christ has had for us Inside of the marriages. Notice as it goes on. Speaking about how God is well pleased. We see in verse number 5. That God is well pleased when we have contentment. God is well pleased when we have contentment. Notice with me in verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Now remember that word conversation. Carries the idea of our behavior. How we carry ourselves. Let your conversation be without covetousness. What is covetousness? Covetousness is desiring something that's not God's will for you to have. Desiring something that you don't currently have. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Now we know that we live in a covetous society. Some people say that we live in a commercial society. That all you have to do to start coveting is watch a commercial and watch a Whopper flame broiled, cheese melting on it, and onion rings and cheesy tots. And you start desiring something that you currently don't have. We live in a commercial society that people are not satisfied with what they have because there's always commercials. There's always things going on. You're going by a new sale. You're window shopping. Well, I need a new truck. And you start not to be satisfied with what you have, but instead you start desiring things you don't have. And your life starts to be consumed, starts to be marked by wanting things you don't currently have. Let your conversation be without covetousness And be content with such things as you have. Why? For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. We can be content because Jesus Christ is enough. Sometimes we have to be reminded of that lesson. Jesus Christ is enough. He's our sufficiency. Now, sometimes we don't learn that lesson until Jesus Christ is all we have. Now, by the way, that's not just talking about material things. Do you know that one of the qualifications of a pastor, according to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, is that a pastor is not supposed to be covetous? You said, well, I don't really think a pastor is covetous. Doesn't he have victory over that? Well, what happens when a pastor says, well, what about that pastor over there? Why do they have a bigger church? I'm a better preacher than them. Well, why do they have that? They have those folks. I'm stuck with these folks. And a pastor could start looking and be covetous of a different ministry. 
people could start to be covetous of a marriage that they may not have. Uh, uh, someone could be covetousness of the kids that they don't have. They could, you know, we understand that it's not just material things, but it's anything that we don't have or that we think we should have. And we start not to be content. But that's all solved when we truly understand who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is enough. And we learn to be satisfied with him. Is Jesus Christ enough? Do you know that you could feel lonely inside of a crowd? But when you learn that Jesus Christ is enough, it helps that. When you're at a job, you, don't, you think that you're better than a job, but I'm stuck washing toilets. Do you know you could be content with that if Jesus Christ is with you? When you're at home and all you have is peanut butter and jelly and you're trying to ignore the commercial about the flame broiled Whopper with the cheesy tots and whatnot. But you know, you could learn to be content with your peanut butter and jelly and Roma noodles or whatever you have. If you realize that, you know what? God has blessed me and he has given and I'm thankful for that. There's a thankfulness that comes with it. And God is well pleased when we learn to be content. But to be honest, America is not known to be a content country. We want more and more and more and more. And because of that, that's how most of us were raised, desiring more than what we currently have and never learning the secret that Jesus Christ is enough. Jesus Christ is our sufficiency. And Jesus made us a promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We're talking about practically living the Christian life by faith. And the goal is that God will be well pleased. As we continue on, we see that God is well pleased when we trust Him rather than fear men. God is well pleased when we trust Him rather than fear men. Notice with me in verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. This is part of learning to be content with Christ and to learn to trust in him that he's the one I want to please rather than men. Now that's a big deal because we're surrounded by men. We work with people. People are people. And to be honest, we all want to be accepted. None of us want to be the black sheep. None of us want to be the person that's set aside, be lonely because no one wants to communicate with us or they don't like us or they think, oh, there's that church person. We all want to be accepted. That's something that we're made up with. But when we're content with Christ, when we understand that he's the one that we have to please, he's the one that is going to judge me one day, then he's the one that I need to please most of all. And yes, that means that sometimes we're going to have stands that will be different than the rest of society. And we'd say that we're going to stick with the Bible and we're going to stick with what God has said. And yes, sometimes people won't like that, but that's the goal. It has to be God. The goal has to be God, that God will be well pleased. 
Again, as we're walking through the book of first, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 13, we're just seeing just this list of practical living, seeing the goal is God, that God is well pleased. And we see that God is well pleased when we show love to others. God is well pleased when we have love in our marriages. God is well pleased when we, sh- when we have contentment. God is well pleased when we, uh, <coughs> that when we trust him rather than fear men. As we go on, we also see this. God is well pleased when we respect those in biblical authority. God is well pleased when we respect those in biblical authority. Notice with me in verse 7. It says, remember them that have the rule over you. So this is dealing with the idea of biblical authority. Specifically, which person in this who have spoken unto you the word of God? Now, in this context immediately, it's speaking about the pastor, speaking about the one who's delivered the word of God. And it says, remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation or their behavior. Meaning that to learn from the pastor that God has set over, to be an encouragement, to learn, to this idea of walking by faith. It speaks more about that in verse 17. Look there if you don't mind. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. So once again, same person, same context. This verse number 7. Uh, remember them that have the rule over you. Have spoken to you the word of God. Again, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves. That carries the idea of put yourself under the authority of. Why? For they watch for your souls. As they must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So verse 7 and verse 17 go hand in hand. Why should we listen to those that have the rule over you who have studied the word of God? Because they're watching out for you. They're trying to help. They're trying to be an encouragement. Also knowing that they're going to stand before God, give an account. We'll hear more about that on Wednesday night. We'll go through that verse a little bit more specifically. But here it says that the pastor's here to try to help you. And that does mean that sometimes you're going to hear things that you don't like to hear. But why is it important? Because we all have assets and liabilities. We all have things that are good about us and some things that are bad about us. At the same time, we also have things that we cannot see in ourselves that others can see very clearly. And part of a loving pastor or a loving person is going to tell you that you got something in your teeth and it needs to be fixed. Because they love you, they want to say, you know, this is probably not wise. The direction you're holding to is going to lead to disaster. If you keep going down this path, it's going to hurt you. If you keep going down this path, you're going to wreck your home. If you keep going down this path, you're going to wreck your faith. You understand this is part of it. Nobody likes to hear that they're doing something wrong But part of what God has given us as a shepherd is someone to help correct and point us the right way. And then as we learn to trust a pastor as he follows Christ, that's the key there, that Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If I used to say about my own pastor, I said, he's not perfect. I'm sure he loved every time I said that. He's not perfect, but he keeps growing in God. And as long as he's growing in God, that means he's walking with him. I could trust someone like that. The qualification of a pastor is not perfection. The qualification of a pastor is to keep following after God and help people follow after the Lord as well. And the Bible says to remember them that have the rule over you, that have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow 
considering their end of their conversation. Seeing as they have been leading by faith and trying to walk by faith to follow that same example to go after that. God is well pleased when we obey those that have the rule over us. When we respect those in biblical authority. Notice as we go on we see something else here. That God is pleased when we trust him every day. God is pleased when we trust him every day. Notice with me in verse number 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. You know, we could trust Jesus every day because he doesn't change. Jesus doesn't need a break. He doesn't take a nap. He's never on hold. He never needs a vacation. He'll never grow old. He'll never grow weary. He'll never get voted out. And he'll never get replaced. We could trust him every day. He doesn't have an off day. We understand there are days that you don't feel good and you're off. Jesus never gets off. We understand he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can trust him every day. And we can keep looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as an everyday thing. God is pleased when we trust him every day. As we go on, we see something else that's mentioned here. That God is pleased when we have convictions. God is pleased when we have convictions. Notice with me in verse number 9. And be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meats. That which is not profit of them that have been occupied therein. Notice this. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. We need to have our own convictions. We need to be nailed down and be able to follow what God has given to us. We know that sometimes studying grammar actually helps us out. Notice, if you don't mind, where it talks about strange doctrines. Notice that's plural. Every time it talks about biblical doctrine in the Bible, it is always in the singular case. There is one doctrine, many aspects of that doctrine. Whether we study bibliology, the study of the Bible, theology, the study of God, Christology, the study of Christ, pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit, soteriology, the study of salvation, Harmatiology, the study of sin, the <laughs> eschatology, the study of last things, ecclesiology, the study of of the church. Now we understand we could go through all those things, but the Bible, every time it speaks about Bible doctrine, it's always in the singular case. One doctrine, many aspects, many things to study of that one doctrine. But every time it speaks about false doctrines, it always uses it in the plural, meaning that it is setting it apart and saying you have all these other doctrines, you have God's doctrine, then everything else. And it says that we need to be nailed down so we were not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. We're not carried about with all these different doctrines that whenever you hear some preacher on the internet, you're blown this way. Then you hear some radio preacher and blown this way. And then this one pastor says this. God wants us to have some convictions and know what we know about the Bible. Have it nailed down so way, that way we're not blown about. That we're standing still. That we're anchored strong. That we're Stuck with the Bible and what it's given us. For it is a good thing for the heart to be established with grace. And not with meats. And it goes on and gives uh, this um, some more doctrinal things that they dealt with here. But we should be people that have 
Bible convictions. There are things that we believe about the Bible. Things that we believe about salvation. Things that we believe about the church. For example, around here, the one, one thing that we believe is that we do believe that this is the word of God. Perfect and without error. Preserved supernaturally by God, inspired by God. We believe that there's certain things about the Bible that you can't convince us otherwise. We know that there are things about salvation, that it is by faith through grace that God has given to us. It is free. It is a gift of God that God has given to us. We know that there are certain things about sin that the Bible says. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible also explains that for there is none righteous, no, not one. We have to stick with what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are all sinners. There are none that are righteous. The Bible says that because of our sin, we owe God a great price. And that price is separation from Him in an eternal place called hell. But God didn't want to see a single person go there. So he sent the Lord Jesus Christ who was God robed in flesh. Who died on the cross to pay that price for us. And that all that is left is for us to receive that gift. And then we are reconciled to God. The Bible says that when we get saved. We come to know Jesus Christ as our, our Savior. That the Holy Spirit who is God. Comes to dwell inside of me. And he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I am sealed unto the day of redemption. Oh, since the day of redemption. I am now made the earnest. There is a sealing there. And the Holy Spirit will work within me. The Bible explains there are birthmarks of the believer. Evidences that I am saved. And then because I am saved. I have a lovely father. Who will take me behind the woodshed. And correct my behavior when I am wrong. You understand those are things that we stick with. These are things that the Bible teaches. And so we don't have to be blown around if some radio preacher, some internet preacher, some traveling preacher tries to tell us something different. We could say this is what the Bible says and this is where I stand. And that we can have some convictions. You can know what you believe and why you believe it. And by the way you should. Everyone should have some convictions that nail them down deep into the Bible. And God is pleased when we have convictions. There's something else that we understand here. Is that God is pleased when we're looking for God's city. God is pleased when we're looking for God's city. Notice as it goes on, starting at verse number 10. For we have an altar which they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts and the blood that is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Now again these are things that we covered from earlier in the book of Hebrews and it's going back and giving a summary of these things. Verse 12 Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate let us go therefore unto him without the camp Bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city. But we seek one to come. And again here it's speaking about. That when the sacrifices were given at the, at the sanctuary. That they would take the burnt meat. And they would put it outside of the camp. Far away from the camp. Meaning that. In this context, it was saying that there was something beyond here. And that here is given the illustration that if Jesus, as the sacrifice pictorially, is outside of the camp, we're going to go follow after him. Because we don't have 
a continuing city, meaning that this is not our home. We're just a passing through. We're looking for what Jesus Christ is going to establish in the coming kingdom. We're looking for Jesus Christ coming. That I, my hope and my trust is not in this world. If it was, we would all be pretty discouraged with how things are turning out. My hope is for Jesus Christ to come back and establish a millennial kingdom reign on this earth as he has promised all throughout the word of God. My hope is that God is going to keep his word and do what he says. I'm so thankful that this world is not the best we get to go through. Wouldn't it be pretty miserable if this is the best we have? Wouldn't it be pretty discouraging to know that 2020, that was your highlight year. Wouldn't that be horrible? We're looking for something better than this. We're looking to see the kingdom that God establishes. Not the kingdom or the country that has been set up and collapsing and falling apart. The people that have been corrupt. People that are leading us in wrong. I'm looking forward to when Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning with a perfect government. And a perfect uh, rules. Dealing with justice and righteousness. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to when he establishes this millennial kingdom reign. When he removes the curse from the earth. And he resets Garden of Eden conditions. Again, we've spoken more about that uh, in other times. We have something to look forward to that's a lot better than what we have now. I'm not looking to establish a permanent ground here. This is just temporary. I'm looking for the permanent when Jesus Christ comes. That's what we should be looking for. Jesus is, uh, God is well pleased when we're looking for our blessed hope. The Bible says in the book of Titus. The Bible talks about in the book of 1 John that we are purify ourselves with this hope, the hope that Jesus Christ comes. Our hope should be on Jesus Christ and that he is coming back. There's one more thing that we see here as we <coughs> continue to see what pleases God in a practical way as we try to see living our life by faith in a practical measure matter. We see one more thing here. God is pleased when we praise him with our lips. God is pleased when we praise him with our lips. Notice with me in verse 15. By him therefore, so because of Jesus, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Did you know that you could offer a sacrifice to praise? How can we do that? And we could do it continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now, we know through other passages that singing is part of this. You know, there's only a certain number of ways that we could voice in speaking. Thank you. 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 But music and song gives us another medium to be able to sing praises to God. To be able to give the sacrifice of our lips. Do you know that God wants to hear us tell him that we're thankful? He wants to hear us with our voice express praise. And again, music allows us a way to praise God with the fruit of our lips. To tell him how grateful we are. How great he is. What he has done for us. That God is pleased when we sing. 
Now, we know that music is important to God. We'll find more about this this year as uh, we do a special series on music. We know that God places a great emphasis on music. Music is mentioned 756 different times in the Word of God. That's more than angels, by the way. That's more than heaven itself, by the way. God places a great emphasis on music and goes and explains. Do you know that God sings to us? The book of Zechariah. God sings over us. Again, we'll learn more about this. We know that the Bible, our theme this year is the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, part of that comes with song. When we think about who God is, it helps strengthen us up as we put our attention on Him. Three different times the Bible says, The Lord is my strength and my song and my salvation. Three different times it speaks about that. We'll have messages on that later. But you understand that music is one of the ways we could express our faith, our trust, and our thankfulness. And God is well pleased when we sing. Now why is that important? Well, because we always have someone who gets a hymn book and just looks and stares. I'm trying to encourage you to be well pleasing to God. Singing! You said, well, I'm not a great singer. Well, praise the Lord. There's Bible verses for you. You know, the Bible speaks about to make a joyful noise. What that literally means is to sing loudly. We could do that. We're pretty good at that here. We could sing loudly. You know, that pleases the Lord. God's not asking us to be a great operatic singer to hit all the right notes. Now, we should always try to work on that. We're not purposely trying to hit the wrong notes. But God wants us to do our best to open our mouth and give him praise through song. The fruit of our lips. The Bible expresses it. And if you think of it, we have so much to thank God for. If we were to start writing all the things that we'd be thankful to God for, that'd be a long list. Song gives us a way to continually sing his praises without, may I say it like this, us getting bored. It allows us to continue to sing God. And it's something you could do continually. You could, let me tell you a secret, when you go to work tomorrow, you could still have a song in your heart. Amen. You know, when you go to bed tonight, you could have a song on your heart. When you wake up in the morning, you could still have a song in your heart. It is something you could do continually and still sing praises to God. And God is well pleased. Again, this is so important. We're going to have a whole series of messages on this later on this year, speaking what the Bible has to say concerning music. And again, with 756 references, that's quite a bit that God has to say concerning the idea of music. And we should know what the Bible has to say, not my opinion, not my thoughts. What does the Bible have to say about this important thing? Even with the idea that God sings for us and sings over us. And God desires to sing about us. I have a whole message on that later about the reasons why God sings. Think about that. In fact, you'll see that in the Minor Prophets uh, series. I'm, I, all I'm doing is sound like an advertisement for what's coming up. And I hope you're excited with the things coming up because the Bible is so exciting. And God wants us to live a life pleasing to Him. 
And he has made it so that way it is achievable. There's nothing on this list here of the things that God has mentioned in, in Hebrews chapter 13 that is not achievable. God is not asking us to go slay dragons to please him. He is not asking us to make a visit to a holy city to please him. He's not even asking us to give a million dollars to please him. But he is giving us some things that we could do practically on a day-to-day -day basis in response to who he is and what he has done for us by faith. And these things he is well pleased. Notice in verse 16. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. Again, still talking about the fruit of our lips. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, what sacrifices? Verse number 15, the sacrifice of play, praise. Verse 16, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Aren't you glad that in the Christian life, you can be pleasing to God? And God has made it clear that we can be pleasing to God and we can know when we're pleasing to God. God does not play games in our spiritual life where we have to guess and hope, am I doing this? He wants to be as clear as possible because he wants us to succeed and to be successful in being pleasing to him. In these things, God is well pleased. So what do we do with these messages? Well, we know that there's a big thing and without a doubt, at least one of these things apply to where you're at. Are you a content person? Are you satisfied with Christ? Are you in the habit of being loving to your neighbor and brotherly love? Are you responding well to biblical authority? <laughs> Are you trusting him every day? Do you have convictions? Do you know what you believe and why you believe them? Are you someone who's looking for Jesus Christ coming and for him to fulfill his promise? Are you looking for that coming city? Can you sing? Can you sing? You see, one of these is bound to be something that you could work on. And so I'm not asking you, are you doing all of this? I'm saying, can you find something on this list to work on now? In these things, God is well pleased. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.